up, Internet. You have no idea how dull it is to be dying. My name is Matthew Kroll. And am I indecent? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Saint Maud. And before we even begin, I just have to answer Shahir, yes, you are. Of course. I mean, I'm not wearing any pants, which I haven't done for the entire year we've been podcasting uh, remotely. Why would well, you? Well, to be fair, to be fair, you didn't. In the five years we were podcasting before that. I mean, look, if it didn't bother you then, I don't see why it bothers you now. It's fine. Everyone <laughs> just do your own thing. It's not hurting anybody. It's all good. How are you, buddy? I, you were missed last week. You know, there was a moment right before we came on this podcast uh, on to do this episode where I actually sat back and was like, do I even remember how to do this? Like, <laughs> I, it just felt like it was so long ago that I was you last had a week. And it was only a week, but I've been, uh, as you, I think uh, you mentioned on last week's podcast, because people have been messaging me to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I was working on a project where I, I, I think I did, I, I think I worked a hundred hours on that particular project during the week. Plus, uh, as you know, you know when you run your own business, uh, you're never really not working on your yeah. own business. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing that as well, um, and um, yeah, no, I uh, it was a uh, it was it was an interesting thing. I a couple of couple of takeaways because uh, without saying what the project was, um, I was working on something where I had to um, look at a lot of clips from A-list actors. Uh, two two particular A-list actors and kind of um, make an arrangement of them. And I will say this, doing that exercise really reiterated to me that the Bechdel test, while uh, I have a hypothesis, is very much real. Um, sure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was just a noticeable thing that I had never considered until I looked at, and, and I'm talking like I looked at like 30 or 40 clips from each of these individual actors spanning. Right. 20 or 30 years of these people's careers. And I was like, in the case of the male, in almost every scene, they are driving the conversation and are the central focus of the scene. In the case of the female, who is also an A-lister, um, you know, a central figure who can open a movie, yeah. they are often the, the, back, the, the second person in the conversation. The conversation is not anchored around them. Their right. job in most of the scenes, in, in, in fact, in almost all of the scenes I watched, was to respond to the other person. Um, and it was yeah, really, man. it was just a, it was really noticeable, like, oh yeah, okay, wow. Be you know, because I had to pick moments that were, you know, like, um, celebratory of these actors and, and it was difficult for one and very easy for another. Yeah. Um, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny, even, even in that small, even in that small, uh, sampling, you could see the pattern. So yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. You can totally see the pattern. So that was really interesting. And it was a uh, kind of an interesting, uh, just, I, I guess I'd never, you, you know, we, we've talked about the big tail test on, on the podcast. And again, I think, you know, like it is, uh, it, it is a hypothesis that has sort of taken, um, taken the internet by storm, so to speak, but it is well, uh, based on, um, uh, easily documented empirical evidence. Of course. And it, it, I'll even admit even in my, in my, uh, younger, and I will say more dumb days when basically in, in the time when, you know, critical thinking wasn't huge on my list. And if someone ch said something that challenged the way I thought about a thing, I'd be like, no, that happens like, every week like, on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Now I do it after researching. Uh, no, but a hundred percent, the, the Bechdel test is, is a hundred percent real. And, and or not even, I mean, it's real because obviously someone said it, but like, it checks out after watching so many films and thinking critically about the way things are made and things are presented like, yup, it does. It suck. Yes, it does. That's, this is a problem. Uh, but it, the, the evidence is, is very clear to see whether you look in the, uh, the films that you engage with or, uh, you look across a project where Shahir was looking at clips exclusively of Gary Busey and um, who's the actor? Who's Evil Lynn and uh, He Man and uh, the Master of the Universe? Who was that actress? Oh my gosh, uh, Meg Foster! Meg Foster! I was looking at clips of Meg Foster and, and uh, Gary Busey. Yeah, and uh, what a great a show you put on! <laughs> it was a great show. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for taking on uh, last. Don't thank movie. me. Don't don't thank I, me. Thank Matt. Well, Matt, you both have Matt the same name, the so I was just going to say thank you, Matt, to all the Matts. 
to all the yeah. Mets I've loved before. Listen, it was great for me and him. I don't know how great it was for everyone else. Why, uh, why is it? I haven't listened to it because I haven't seen the movie. Uh, totally was... fine. Uh, no, it was just a, it was a good conversation. I just you know you get two Mads in a room <laughs> in a room. Yeah, in in whatever this is, yeah. we weren't together. It was sad. No, it was very fun. Uh, and thank you, uh, Matt Bronsdorf, for coming on the show. What's the too long didn't listen for uh, Gia Coppola's mainstream? Because I did really want to see that movie. I just absolutely could not find a single moment to do anything other than fall asleep last week. Uh, <laughs> the TLDR is... TLDL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't... I don't... Th- there's there's stuff to like in it, but not enough to justify the time that you would spend. I mean, I, I again, there are good things, but there's enough... S- the good things are a little bit larger in a few of them, but there are so many kind of small things that it does that just don't hit and don't make you... It's tropey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, look, again, I did say uh, on the podcast that people st- should still watch it. Anyway, listen to that episode. <laughs> Uh, and she here. What I'm saying is because I know your time is limited. It's not something you need to go do right now. <laughs> I, I do want to say that I'm a big fan of Andrew Garfield. I like Gia Coppola's uh, portmanteau of short films, uh, Palo yeah. Alto, mm-hmm. um, and also she's obviously of the Coppola tribe, of which uh, I am enamored. I always wanted to be a Coppola. That's a line from Rushmore, but never mind. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, actually, that's a line from the Royal Tannenbaums. Never mind. Right. Uh, and they don't say Coppola. I always wanted to be a Tannenbaum. This is going off the rails really fast. Yeah, anyway, you, you, listen, you're gone a week. And yeah. you're acting like me, searching for names on IMDb. <laughs> um, but again, thanks to Matt Bornstall for uh, for filling in for me there. Uh, as I mentioned to him, uh, those are some big flip flops that he's got to fill, and he did them uh, amicably, I imagine. Yeah. And the other thing is, we got an email last week from our friend Baby Dread on the internet, who has another name. I this was uh, a news to me when he told me this other name uh, previously, but I'm very uh, happy because it's an awesome name, and I won't say it on the podcast just for his own privacy. Uh, we've been we've been we've had this. Email email for a little bit but we didn't because matt hadn't seen the film in question so i wanted to wait for when she was back so sorry for the long wait but here are your words there is probably some minor spoilers in here for thomas vinterberg's another round which is an excellent film and if you haven't seen it um please skip forward probably about two minutes from now uh hey guys just wanted to quick write a quick email i recently watched another round and listened to the episode matt didn't quite get on board with the speed at which the experiment seemed to progress true and although i understood his point I didn't quite agree. I was under the impression that although the whole thing started as an experiment, and we are talking, of course, of uh, consuming uh, alcohol to maintain a certain blood alcohol level, which is the premise Mm -hmm. of that film. Um, While the whole thing started as an experiment, they were also becoming addicted, which led them to use the experiment as an excuse to drink even more. It wasn't until they pushed their limits and hit rock bottom uh, that they decided to quit the experiment. I'm just skipping over some spoilers there. Uh, ultimately, this movie reminded me of a Scorsese movie. In Goodfellas, for example, Scorsese makes a show why being a gangster is so cool, but later on shows us where it ultimately leads to. This film reminded me of that, showing the good side of drinking along with the grim consequences of it. Although I was tempted to, uh, I was tempted to watch this film, I don't think I would have gone out of my way to watch it if you guys had not covered it, so thank you for continuing to put out new episodes. I will also be watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Vegas, as soon as it gets put on a streaming service I'm subscribed to. So keep the Criterion picks coming. Uh, yes, I did recommend uh, if you enjoyed another round, you could check out Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, which I presume is a film everybody has seen, but I also realize that I am an old man, and that movie is something that my generational people that I know and grew up with definitely saw, but may not have this generation. And if it is the first time you're seeing it, all I can say is you are in for a treat, because that is Terry Gilliam at the height of his powers, uh, and Johnny Depp as well. And hey, listen, Del Toro. listen uh, Bat Country just has not been visited as much since the highway went through, and now all of us old timers uh, just will not, uh, won't shut up about this movie that not as many people has seen as we thought had. Um, no, Baby Dread, thank you so much for the email. Uh, I'm I'm also glad, even though uh, you know we had a little bit of a different experience. I was a little bucked. Apparently, you were you were not. Uh, I do love that it's. I lo- I love when people email in and say, "Oh, I wouldn't have see- went, uh, sought this out had it not been discussed." And yep. that always makes me like. There's a there's very few things that sort of keep me going in this high paying job of podcasting. <laughs> Uh, and that is definitely, definitely one of them that, that like, it's funny, you know, why do we do this here? And, you know, not for the love of cinema or, or just to see each other's glowing faces. 
Uh, but honestly, I, I, I want more people to discuss more movies, and that's a great thing. So thank you very much for giving us that uh, that little accolade. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we enjoy those internet points. Uh, please email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod as we will try to respond to any comment that you make with some hilarious gifts because that's what we do. Well, that's what I do. Also, also <laughs> signs of a four, uh, near 40-year-olds on the internet, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm very excited about this movie, although I'm not sure what to say. So this is going to be an interesting one. As in, as in, I love this movie so deeply, but I'm not exactly sure what to say to people other than, please watch it. Sure, sure, uh, sure. Well, could I you can tell, tell us you... what it's about? Oh, sure. I, <laughs> this, is the, this is the wackiest, I think, structure of an IMDb description I'd seen in quite some time. Here, th- I'm just going to start it where it starts, right. okay? Follows a pious nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. Eh, you know, look, it's the internet it, age. You, we... you forgot a few words you or maybe an opening sentence. <laughs> yeah. uh, this might be the first, like, I feel like grammatical error or like a, not a full copy-paste job we've had. It's it's not a grammatical error. It's just, I guess it's not. Just a, it's just an abbreviated copy. I mean, it, I'm sure there's more to it. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a full storyline sure. Listen, uh, listed I, below. I feel like one of the cousins in the IMDb family uh, just was on the job when they had to post this one, and they're like, oh, they were busy. They had to go, I don't know, watch Sonic the Hedgehog for four more times. Um, yeah, um, that's what the movie does. It follows It follows a pious nurse. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you kind of sort of spilled the beans on your opinion. I did very much enjoy watching this film. I love um, intelligent horror. And and this is something interesting about me. I, I sort of uh, discovered after watching this, and sort of I guess realizing religious horror, particularly, I think Catholic mm-hmm. or Christian, does not scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think helped lend myself to just sort of like I don't do this often. But I feel like I just sort of sat back and enjoyed the craft at which this was, like, made. Mm -hmm. Like, I was not, like, I I saw the writings on the wall and I saw sort of, like, where things were, would be scary if this was the kind of thing that got to a person who was scared by these things um, in in cinema. But, like, I don't know. I just got to, like, sit back and, like, I felt like I, I was peeking behind the curtain because I wasn't having the fear response. What, the power and of Christ was not compelling you? I guess not. <laughs> or maybe it was. Maybe that's why I was safe. Who knows? Um, but uh, this movie, which uh, many a time lived in the close-up, was so beautifully shot. Yeah. Uh, constantly sort of... It's funny, because at first my gut was like, oh, it makes you question what's real. I don't know if it does. We can get to that. But it doesn't matter that it does or not. Mm. Like, it just sort of, like... You are in it. You are in sort of Maud's world. Uh, and and it paints such a vivid picture of a complex and damaged and caring and delusional person. Mm-hmm. And uh, very often I feel like when we when we get to uh, you know, Catholic, Christian, whatever sort of horror, it can devolve quite easily into, and then the devil. Like, right? And mm-hmm. and again, this is sort of, I guess, minor spoilers. This doesn't do that particularly, or maybe it does, but I don't think it does. The My, my point being, this is a movie that couches its horror not in the cheapness that it very easily could have gotten caught in. Right. Uh, it's, a. Uh, it, it makes you think about characters involved, even, even, um, um, the character of, of Amanda, who mm-hmm. is the person that Maud is, uh, sent, uh, to take care of. She's a, uh, a, a sick and injured ex-dancer who's still fairly young, but I believe going through chemo and, and having a really hard time and as basically is, is her, you know, she's got limited days left to live. Um, she is cruel at certain points. Um, but also like you, like, I don't think she's evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think like there, there was, there's malice, but you understand why everyone felt real. Right. Um, and that's something again, 
when you when you dip your toe into this type of horror can often be missed or left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the character work was great. Uh, soundtrack and and, sa- and and sound mixing, I will even say, was just so on point. Like I had to, <laughs> I watched it fairly late, and I had to turn down my bass because <laughs> of how good like the the moments of shock base were or like build up base were mm-hmm. uh and I didn't want my neighbors to be upset with like a weird sort of like more rhythmic thrumming than you would be used to right. um no I, I very much enjoyed watching the film uh and I'll I'll get more into some of the specifics a little bit later but I mean that's kind of my first take of it it was such a nice surprise I had seen the trailer for this forever ago right. and I was like this looks interesting Right. And then, like everything, because of 2020, it just sort of fell by the wayside. Um, so I was very thankful when you suggested this movie, because I saw the poster and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I a- forgot. It's an A24 joint as well, which yeah, I think yeah, we yeah. always, uh, we've had a pretty good track record with in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, this was, you know, like after the week I had, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest nothing, with you. Nothing was scary. <laughs> nothing was scary, but I also needed a movie like this in so much as... I wanted a film with uh, such a degree of pure craftsmanship on display that I felt warm and enveloped and safe, uh, despite being uh, fairly traumatic subject matter and at times uh, definitely queeze-inducing um, moments, uh, you know, like uh, nausea-inducing nausea uh, uh, moments uh, during this film. So I was I was so struck by how uh, beautifully constructed this film was. And then I think, you know, more than that, the actual texture of the film, uh, which which gets into that territory that, that you've already alluded to of religious horror, um, where the question of, is there the presence of the divine actually in play versus uh, what is going on in the imagination of the characters. And this has never more so been done um, than by um, Carl Theodore Dreyer in uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc and the whole Joan of Arc story, which is, of course, a woman who you know says she has visions of uh, God speaking to her and that le- causes her to lead a crusade and be burnt at the stake, much like moments in this film yeah and you for more for more historical takes on Joan of Arc you can see the wonderful extra history series over at the uh, extra credits YouTube channel that's one of my absolutely favorite series that we did uh, because we gave Joan of Arc a catchphrase oh what was her catchphrase Uh, it was get him get him because basically that was a lot of she was she was very intelligent but she also just didn't take any shit and like didn't wait and was very into like sort of like shock the people you're going up against in certain ways right. so like many of her tactics were like why are we worrying about these nine different mini garrisons just march up to the fucking garrison and take it so she's it was always a 13 like, year old girl right like she's also uh, she wasn't to... 13 at that point i believe she was uh depending or more closer to 16 right. I, I don't remember off the top of my head i mean a, a, a child uh nonetheless um one who uh you know who's impulsive. and actually she might have been a little older by that don't right. go watch the series. We did it like a year and a half ago, and I can only retain so much <laughs> historical information. <laughs> um, but you know, like I think I think we've alluded to the fact as well that that the the sort of central tenet of the religious horror in this case, particularly, you know, like and, and the famous examples of this are The Exorcist and uh, Rosemary's Baby, of course, and The Omen, um, where the question of is there a is there the presence of the divine or is there just the or is there is it just a case of madness? This actually also reminded me of a of a great book I read when I was in college um, by a man named Daniel Schreiber, uh, who was a magistrate I believe, and he wrote a book called Memoirs of My Nervous Illness, uh, which basically documents he he has a mental breakdown and starts documenting this breakdown, and it's essentially he describes his his conversations with uh, ethereal beings, some of which may or may not be God, um, but at the same time, he's sort of acknowledging that that this all may be delusions. Um, it's a pretty extraordinary work, and and I think you know what Saint Maud really gets into, but but quite cleverly, is that 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 question for the character has already been answered yeah. before the movie begins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a scene at the beginning of this movie which sort of depicts maybe perhaps the inciting incident for the 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 sort of 
acceptance of God and faith oh, I, in this character. I think it's pretty blatantly that. Yes, but but it, the the film also doesn't do a one to one relationship with that moment, right? Like there is no, but it ties it to it pretty directly, especially when she's talking with her friend on the pier when they run in. Like you kind of get a little bit of the history. Maud used to be a bit more of a of a well, very much less religious and a bit of a party girl. Yeah, uh, and then due to a tragedy that happened at work, I believe while she worked at a hospital. Uh, that could may or may not have been her fault. You don't quite understand. Um, that sort of snapped her into a more, I, I would imagine, careful, pious person. Well, uh, it, that's where it, that's it, where it leads you. It leads you that, but she also may have been. I, I think. I think what's what's clever about the film, or the way that the film works, is that it's not. Um, it's also a depiction of someone who may have been, you know, quite lonely before that event and quite susceptible to. Um, quite susceptible to the belief, you know, to like believing in in sort of faith and that sort of thing. I actually don't think it does. I think there's many times in the film whenever a character interacts with her that I mean, mainly to be honest, it's two characters, but that's enough of two touch points. It's the woman, it's her friend from the hospital that she meets, and she references how they used to go out and hang out and da 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 da. da. And then there's also the the shitbox gentleman that she eventually uh, sleeps with, who is like, oh, I remember you. I remember when you were out. Like do, you, do you, you think? Do you think that she could have been a lonely person? Even no, in those I don't. Times? I think I you don't think, think she, she was a lonely person in those times. I, I think she. I think she. It, it painted her as someone. I mean, granted, <laughs> sure, lonely is a uh, uh, relative thing. You can go out every night and still be lonely, right? Um, but that, again, and I guess I, that's what I'm suggesting is that this is. Uh, what, sure, what's but she could also. Film, but it, there's more that points in the other direction than there is that. Right. I, what I'm saying is that what's clever about the film is it's not a one-to-one relationship. We hear about this moment, but it's it's not necessarily like this is the thing that caused the thing. It is you know like it is one of the the tapestry of moments that could be this person because it is it is a little bit deliberately vague about how she got to this point. Right. Yeah, like we don't know movie, when that happened. But the movie present while it doesn't you know give you a paint by numbers, it definitely gives you the color swatches. Like it's not. Okay, if, that, if, that, if that's yeah. what it is for you, then then that's yeah. great. Um, I and there's think no me, problem with that. I don't think it's a problem either that I that you know if that is the case, which I do believe it is. I don't think that takes away from the film at all. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Um, I I just want to bring up uh, an uh, an article here from um, uh, from Rose where she keeps on saying. Um, uh, I didn't want it to be a case of seeming like this one terrible thing happened and it now equals a crazy person. To me, it felt too chicken and egg. I wanted to give enough of a sense of it, but not so much that the whole thing is about that. Her whole life, uh, she's felt alienated and she probably has minor health issues, but then compounds that with going to work at a hospital and stressful life or death profession without having social support system, it can lead places. Uh, I, I, you know, look, if, if mm-hmm. the, uh, it certainly is the case that that is the if one event that is tied to in the film, but I think the event is also played out in a way where at least from my experience of watching it it wasn't necessarily that event that led to the totality of that mo- of of where she was as a character like that event was 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 doled out in such sort of uh vagaries like we didn't weren't even really sure what happened um that i thought that that was kind of a clever play in terms of like not making it a one to one not hearing that quote uh from the director uh i never gleaned that at all Okay. Um, again, doesn't mean, I mean, that's apparently what she was going for, which is great. Yeah. Um, here's what I will say, whether or not it goes this direction or not, whether or not you get a read of it, I do think if, if you are leaning on, not you, just viewer, uh, if you're, if you, the viewer are leaning on sort of the, um, I guess sort of, uh, this gets a little more complex, but the sort of mental illness side of this film, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way it is presented is uh, again this 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 movie dances on a lot of knives edges. I feel like there's so many places where like a lesser <laughs> film and a less words. yeah I know and a lesser director could have really just knocked it into the cheap seats like pr- quite uh or maybe I guess the expensive seats because that would be closer in the baseball analogy. Anyway, my point being, um, I do feel like. You can very easily go into some real offensive, um, uh, cliched, hackney shit when you're dealing with a character with a men- with a mental illness, and, and that is if you read this character as having it and not actually talking to God, you know. Et and, and, this is, and I guess this is why I think the film is quite clever: is that we are in Maud's head from frame one. Yes. Yep. So we already know where she stands. Well, we know where she stands, and the question is: is is there actually is she actually communing with God? 
And because we're in her head from thing one, you'll never really know. Well, I, I, I think the movie is clever in its placing us in that place, but giving us in, giving us enough counterbalances to, to say, am I sure that I'm in this place or am I not sure I'm in this place? Like, I did think that, that th- there's a moment where Maud kind of has uh, an almost uh, profound religious experience when she's at home after a terrible night out drinking and fireworks suddenly happen and she seems to levitate off the ground. And I thought that that moment was so beautifully done and so like, uh, so well captured the kind of rapture that she might be feeling that I was like, maybe she is feeling this and maybe that is, uh, you know, like maybe she is actually experiencing some kind of supernatural at this point. And I think the film is really good at balancing that. And I, and I think, I, I, why I think that's really well played is because of how sharp the final 10 frames of this movie are to knock us right off our feet and leave us sort of walking out of the theater questioning that whole experience. In fact, the other film that this really reminded me of uh, was Jeff Nichols' film Take Shelter, which is about uh, you know a man who's sort of experiencing this uh, this idea that there's going to be a flood. He, he sort of has the, the impression that he might be Noah of the flood oh, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and the final shot sort of upends, us, upends our belief system in the whole thing. And I think the last 10 frames of this film are so good at... at uh, knocking us out of the potentiality that we thought we might have been in um, for the for the entirety of the movie. Um, so I was I was quite again taken aback by how how well crafted this film is. And I, I will say this: I think there's something great about this movie being 84 minutes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, felt like it, the right length. Yeah, it's it's such a short, sharp story about a singular uh, time in this person's life that it, it it feels very well encompassed within that framework. Like there's just a sense that, 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 you know, there, there's no, why I like that we don't really get much of a sense of what happened to her before is that the film is really about these final few days or what it will, you know, maybe weeks or whatever that she's in mm-hmm. and the story that's being told within the, within that period. I think the, uh, you know, the other thing is, is that um, it really does in, in, engulf you in a sort of sensorial experience of what a person who is both uh, who at the on the one hand is delusional but is also experiencing something beautiful for her and i think that's that's the sort of really crazy profoundly beautiful thing that this film is able to do which is that often you're sort of going no this is nuts and then there's a moment when you know, this is not, you know, like she does something that you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. But at the same time, you're sort of going, but she is experiencing this and the film is really giving her the space to experience it in its totality. Like her godgasms or her, you know, like her orgasms with God when she hears God's voice, um, I think are really beautifully played and the film really accentuates that and understands how to play that for her. Um, so, I, I, you know, to, to sum up the... the beautifully the, played until there's three or four frames of her face stretching in a way that it shouldn't. Well, oh, are you talking about the effect that you didn't like, or uh, no? I, I didn't dislike the effect, but yeah. I, you know, I I wouldn't call those moments like. Well, I mean, they're beautifully crafted. I, yeah. I don't know if if beauty is the thing in the moment I, where I was like, oh, I, no. Uh, that that moment where she levitates uh, in the air, I thought was quite a strikingly oh, beautiful moment. Oh, sure, frame by frame. I'm talking about for the character. Like, there's lots of darkness in these beautiful moments that we see. Right. Like, but but, but for this character who is who has found God. Um, those moments are beautiful for her, right? Yeah, sure. I, I guess the, the the other thing is though, she has just as many fucking terrible personal moments, so it kind of evens out for my cosmic weight of what's going on for this character, right? Um, <laughs> so what are the, what are those terrible personal moments for you? I mean, when she, I mean, the whole second act, <laughs> she's not doing too hot. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of different moments. But do you still where- feel that she's communing with God in that point, in in from her point of view? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the moments she's experiencing aren't tragic or dark. Right. But do do you feel for her that they are beautiful? Not when she's downward spiraling and seeing whirlpools and shit and terrified and being in terrible situations and having to, uh, you know, 
experience sort of different types of pain in her life or relive things. No, I don't think those are beautiful moments for her. I think she has lots of beautiful moments for her. The the moments when she, uh, God is uh, talking to her from her perspective, even the the penitent stuff. Uh, you know, again, it's darkness that could be considered for her, like the the spikes in the shoes <laughs> and. Um, uh, the 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 picking at the hand, even though that's played for horror for the audience, mm-hmm. she's obviously having a different experience there. There's a lot of different things. I'm saying her whole existence and the experiences she's having with this thing, no matter that she believes it, is still a mixed bag. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I, I guess the way to think about it is this: um, you know, self-flagellation, for example, is considered you know like from the outward in is considered a terrible thing but and it is when you watch it and in this case where she sticks the the pins in her shoes and walks with them i certainly was wincing the entire way but i think for the character and the film gives the character the space to experience that as a sacrifice right like as, as something that she would sacrifice and oh 100 percent. and, and, she and twisted she, it in, she twisted it into being proud and a pleasurable, proud moment, and 100%, a pleasurable moment but not yeah. every bad moment in the movie is that Right. I'm saying there's a plethora, there is a spectrum of moments across uh, the uh, ecstatic to the uh, fucking miserable that she does go through. Okay. It's not just all sunshine and roses in her internal mind, even if the things, like, it's, it, it's, it's, it's as vast as the good and bad things that actually happen to her is her sort of reaction to them. But a lot of times they are weighted differently than, say, an average viewer might weight them in those categories. Right. And I think I think the thing that I found really interesting about this film is that it kind of, to me, played like an inverse of uh, Robert Eggers' the Vi- the witch, we talked. Yeah, yeah, Jamie and I were talking about that. A hundred percent. It's the it's the same. <laughs> it's the same message, yeah. but a different flip of the coin. Yeah, if, there's a yeah. If you uh, I which a movie I absolutely loved, uh, the witch, but it was also the inverted uh, viewpoint of the witch, which is that in 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 the witch, it's a person who doesn't necessarily believe in the divine who has to confront the fact that they may actually be a divine or uh, a, a devil or yeah. whatever. Or um, shout outs to Black Philip. Black Philip. That's I'm right. I'm still waiting on that butter, big guy. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get this moving. Let's live life deliciously. I've been eating too much butter recently, so Black Philip, <laughs> please eat back uh, some light butter, please. Um, but but uh, the inverse of that fil- of this film is that a, this is a film where a person absolutely believes in the presence of the divine the entire way through, and then the film. And this is, uh, I guess, we're in the, the spoiler territory now. If uh, if you haven't seen, we're it, halfway it's through. It's yeah, fine. It's available on Hulu. The film in the last ten frames shocks. Oh, it's on Amazon. You. It's on Amazon. Uh, no, it's on Hulu. It was free on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. I watched it on yeah. Hulu. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the the final ten frames of the film uh, were just a quick snap back to reality. Uh, whoop! There goes whoop, gravity. There goes gravity. <laughs> ah, see again. We're we're old. Yeah, uh, and mom's spaghetti is everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's just a really, and what I love about that like final ten frames is it. It's to me, it's the mark of a filmmaker who knows how to send the how to send the audience out of the theater. Like you know, like sure. it's not it's not just a sort of like, and now you can leave kind of thing. It is a moment that really does make force you to reconsider what you've watched and also force you to uh look at the totality of the moments that you've experienced it is a definitive ending yeah. it is an ending that i tend to enjoy more than when a film doesn't have a definitive ending right uh, right <laughs> okay uh, uh yeah uh so i i for all those reasons i i really loved it i think i think there's something sort of del- you know like it's not a criticism of the film but it is it is a, it feels very small like this film feels very, very small and contained, but that actually is uh, is a sign of greatness to me. Like it is the sign of like uh, a fully examined uh, internal uh, internal rationalization of this ca- of this character. And and I think the the film is like is playful in the way it allows the audience to indulge in it. Like you know, like we at one point we see um, angel wings on this character, and it's sort of like. Whoa, we're really going there at this moment, you know. Like, there's a there's a sort of playfulness yep. about like that the, the way in which it uh, it deploys those those visions of euphoria, um, you know, which I think you're kind of coming at, which of 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 seeing them as horrific, which I think they are, but also playful in the sense that for the character, I think these are genuine moments. Even the even the sort of the final 
death of a character um, played by Jennifer Earl. By the way, Jennifer Earl, I just watched... Uh, is it Jennifer Earl, by the way? Uh, yes, I just watched yeah. her in Contagion at the, uh, uh, at the start of the pandemic. Uh, she plays the scientist who kind of uh, is responsible for d- developing the vaccine. And she's such a great character in that, mo- in that movie where I was just like, she's the hero of the whole movie. So to see her in this, um, you know, having that sort of... Uh, uh, I thought there, there was uh, a potential to have this character be a little meaner, like to, to you know, like they, they sort of talk about her being as like uh, Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard. But like, yeah. I, I thought she was actually like pretty reasonable the entire the entire way through. Like, I didn't think her, of, you know, like the, the the nurse that introduces Maud at the end says, "Oh, she's a little bit of a see you, uh, see you next Tuesday." And then and, and then I was like, okay, so I'm expecting her to do something like. M- benevolently mean and she's not she's just kind of like responding to the things around her you know to the way Maud is acting and then at times indulging her and then mm-hmm. at times you know like just rebuking her when it needs, she needs to be rebuked uh she and seems very reasonable to me at the party when she when she kind of calls her out yeah that's a huge dick move to do to someone who's been taking care of you like no question yeah. but she does actually say and again this is not an excuse it's a reason yeah. like the character is drunk at the moment again she is dying yeah. she is losing everything in her life and I think she did like Maud. Yeah. <laughs> but she also, I think she has a thing. She's like, Maud, I just want you to lighten up. I think that character saw something. Here is a young girl that has her whole life ahead of her that is denying her all of these things that I used to be able to do and love. Yeah. And she she wasn't like jealous of Maud or the fact that she was able, she, I, it felt to me like she was a complex character and Amanda both, you know, was like kind of being mean and a dick, but it was coming from a place of like, Maud, I want you to see that I think you're being ridiculous and you could have such a happier life if this wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, and that's a hard character to pull off and, and it is pulled off. Like, I, I think, no I think there's another version of this movie where those two, where the sort of psychological interplay between those two characters is a little bit more involved, you know, like, as you mentioned, like, uh, Amanda sort of, um, suggesting you know like pushing Maud's buttons in terms of her religious uh her religious beliefs a little bit more I think I think could be could be there but I but again the film is so tightly constructed and so tightly woven together that it really it it really understands and achieves what it sets out to achieve and then even in the final moments where which come to a head between Maud and Amanda um there there's something about that where again I'm sort of in Maud's head at that moment where I'm like where I'm like, oh, this is, while this is awful, it, it, it also, I'm seeing it from her point of view, which is just, you know, like, which is such a strange thing for a film to be able to do and do so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, contrast this to um, Ken Russell's The Devils, which we've reviewed on the podcast, <laughs> right. where the film, you know, always lets you understand that these pe- that the that the these nuns in that film are um not only being hysterical but also um uh purposely subvert you know like purposely acting uh um out of their own, outside of their own belief system yeah. whereas this is like really really getting you into her head to the point where I was like okay, I, look, I don't agree with stabbing someone, you know, however many times she did, but I was like, but I can kind of see that if you really believe in the devil and God and all that sort of stuff, that this is that moment for you, uh, which is a weird way to phrase it. But I just, I, I, I loved, I loved that the film did that and then snapped me out of it in the final few frames. Like really just like, was like, you know, whiplashed me back and forth. And I love that the filmmaker understood how to do that. Um, sure. And yes. do that really well. Uh, and so I was really quite taken by that. Uh, I was trying to do a little bit of research. Uh, when God talks and then when she says something at the end of the film, I was like, what language is it's that? It's Welsh, isn't it? And I, it's Welsh, yeah. yeah. And I, I was, is is the director Welsh? Uh, I is believe Rose? she's English, but I believe the actress, uh, Morford Clark, is Welsh. Maybe, oh, maybe okay. Rose Glass is Welsh as well. I, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, uh Morphid Clark, uh, I'm butchering that name. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if she's Welsh or not. But anyway, she is a Swedish-born Welsh actress. I always am. I'm always. I always am interested in 
what language do we choose for <laughs> characters to portray different things? I mean, we even talked about this. I, I, I have to bring everything back to Mortal Kombat, but we brought this up <laughs> to Mortal Kombat. Uh, how when uh, Sub-Zero and Scorpion are having their rivalry, one is speaking Chinese and one is Japanese, and various characters are not understanding one or the other. And, and, and a lot of times in movies, the person is who is coded that is supposed to be the bad guy is speaking the other language and the good guy is in English. I don't know. I've been, I've been paying a lot of attention to like when a, when a foreign language is spoken in a film, and I, particularly in this case, when it's supposed to be God, mm. what language are you choosing? And I, I, don't, I, just, I always find it fascinating, uh, and, I, and I like that it was Welsh here. What is it in Indiana Jones and the team, uh, and Last Crusade? The Last Crusade, where they're having to figure out the name of God, and they realize that God is a uh, Arabic name, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he and that's how he knows and he understands it. And so, I, I just I don't know why I thought about that, but it's just no, the, but it, the, the, the sense of like. Well, because I think the thing here is that it's in her mother tongue, right? Like that's yeah. that's the the relationship between her and God is that she's now speaking in her mother tongue, mm-hmm. um, which again, yeah, beautiful. And I, I think I read somewhere in an interview with Rose Glass that they were like trying to figure out that language, and then Morford Clark can speak Welsh, and so decided to do it in, in Welsh. Uh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, great, perfect, <laughs> done um, and done. It's 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 hard to. I, I guess it's really hard to talk about this film because it's so succinct. That that you know, like much of the conversation really lends itself to you do need to watch it and it, you do need to experience it more than anything, and and the questions that it raises are so skillfully answered by the film itself um, in such a sort of sharp and stylistic way that that even the, you know, like I put down some propositions of of things we could talk about on in terms of this episode, but I think we. You know the answers are one word, one or two word answers. Let's do them. Let's do which them. Which is like, uh, does, do the, does the final shot of the movie change your impression of Maud's visions? It's yes, yes. <laughs> of, course, of course. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, what is the line? Well, this is maybe a, a bigger question, but uh, I think what this is outside of the 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 um, wheelhouse of this film. But what is the line between religion and delusion? And, oh, uh, you want to go there? Yeah. Well, I think it. I think that's that's really the heart of what this film is talking about. I mean, here's okay. So this is the interesting thing. Okay. This movie, I posit, without giving away the exact final moment, I would say that it comes down pretty hard on Mod is delusional. Mm-hmm. I would. I will. I will say that right away. But when you get to real life. When when and I, it feels if this movie felt very researched, even from the 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 research I had done w- with Joan of Arc and a couple other things, like people who say they've spoken to God, especially the ones we remember, um, you know, I, I can't say definitively if they spoke to God or not. I mean, because uh, I'm not that much of. Uh, I'm not that full of myself where I will say I understand everything completely. I could say I don't – I bet you they didn't, but, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't I, – I can't say for sure. Well, it, 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 it's tricky because I think the experience of talking to God is unquantifiable by someone from the outside, Then and, and it's completely quantifiable by someone on the inside. Which right? makes it something that – is not quantifiable in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. And, because you know, quantifiable is holding it against another thing. Yeah, and also repeatable. And and that's and that's the point I think is that you know in the case of Joan of Arc, was she just uh, indoctrinated into the religion so much so that she uh, she took uh, symbols of of the everyday as as uh, evidence of the divine, or was she actually having a conversation with God in her head, or more than more more than likely. Was she just talking to herself and kind of giving and having those uh, those conversations, you know, like having such a belief in those conversations that they manifest itself from into- the series from the series that I worked on? And this is sort of interesting. What I always read uh, Joan of Arc, at least after this, because before I, I didn't know enough. Uh, she seemed like an incredibly gifted young person, like that kind of gifted that like makes it so it's difficult to sort of live your age. Mm hmm. Um, because some, some of the most fascinating stuff about Joan of Arc is how she, basically when she was on trial, how she knew exactly how to talk around and work through the laws of the land when she 
as from from her upbringing and from a couple other things she shouldn't have. The, basically, there's a catch twenty two that happened with Joan of Arc, and I'm going to butcher this because it's old, but it's very interesting. So, basically. The the people that were put her on trial were trying to have her prove under oath or whatever that she saw angels or saw God. Mm-hmm. Because if you say that, that back then was an act of heresy because these beings were supposed to be like, you weren't supposed to see a physical manifestation. That was then always thought of as the devil and, you know, you get in trouble for that. But she always talked around it in a sense where she would say things like it would not be, I, I'm trying to remember one of the things, but like she would basically be like, it's not up to me to decide whether or not I saw what I saw or like she do think she do things that would never give them the ammunition for so long. Granted, they eventually wore her down because uh, they put her in three different jails. One of which a tower that she attempted to It's fucking tragic. Doesn't matter. But like when you believe in something so hard and when you are, I will say, uh, neurodivergent in different ways. Uh, yeah, that 100% could manifest yeah. as as talking to a higher power, you know, or maybe it's a higher power. Who knows? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's such a fascinating thing because you can't, no matter how much I am uh, an atheist or agnostic or whatever, the, 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 the crucial thing is you can't, you can't definitively say in our feeble little world what's real and what's not at that point. Like, yeah. you could believe it based on other stuff, but, like, I'll, I will never go, because you can't, and I think it's silly, to go on record and say there absolutely is no possible way that there is a God. Right. <laughs> like, that just, no? <laughs> like, but also, I am not a person of faith. I'm logicking my way into saying that there is a possibility of God. Yeah, and I, I, I think um, to to bring it back to the film, that there is there's a sense that the film sort of sharply understands how the audience is going to react to certain moments. Yeah. Like, like that, that you, you know, they know that, yes, we are depicting something that is beautiful for this character, but we also know from the outside looking in, this is pretty, uh, pretty extreme behavior. And yeah. also... Um, you know, pious to the sense of of uh, irrationality, mm-hmm. and and I think that the but but you know like what you were just talking about in terms of Joan of Arc also reminded me there's a great documentary called Deep Water, um, about a sailor, well, a wannabe sailor in the 1960s I believe, who um uh, embarks upon a round the world yacht race, and he. Um, all that was found of him, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler. The, the movie was made into another film and sure. it's a well-documented story of, uh, of this, of this particular inventor turned sailor, a guy by the name of Daniel Crowhurst. Uh, it's I, absolutely one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Um, but, but the, but what happens at the end of it is that this person is left isolated sailing around the world without the capability to sail in dangerous situations. So under extreme physical, emotional pressure and creates a, and then writes a journal of his experiences and the journal slowly form into a conversation between him and God. And, and and the way he writes is that he is having this conversation with God in his journals. And that is all that is found of this man as, you know, he presumably passed away. And I, and, and I guess the thing that, that is interesting about that is that in the last moments of Daniel Crowhurst's life, all he did was live inside of his head. And if the inside of his head said that he was speaking to God, who, how do we define that, that is not the case? And of course, the, you know, like the, the sort of eternal uh, logic of psychology is making a distinction between what is acceptable within the brain and what is acceptable within society. And, and you know, obviously, <laughs> Maud's actions are outside of the realm of what is acceptable in society. Correct. But, I, but, I, but, but what makes this and, I guess, great religious Horace work so well is that it ponders the question that is, what is real if it is real to us? And for Maud, this is real to her. You know, the final moments of her self immolating uh, on the beach uh, with her with her wings um, uh, up are, you know, 
the very real, you know, the very real ascension of her into heaven is, you know, the whirlpool uh, evidenced by the clouds. And of course, the film kind of just, again, I think in a, just a brilliant stroke. <laughs> film goes, nah. <laughs> the film just right at the very end. But the film does it in what 10 frames yeah, it's like very good. like something like something ridiculous like that and it's just it's it's so smart it's so uh, well done something I, I love the the iconography of the whirlpool always happening to around sort of moments when the whirlpool in the beer whirlpool in the sky or whirlpool whatever um one thing i caught actually i didn't even catch this jamie caught this uh during the moment when the friend comes in and visits uh in the apartment and she's staring outside and she sees the storm cloud swirling yep. Yeah. Her eyes change color. I, I noticed that her eyes were a different color, and I thought they were throughout the... F- I, 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 I noticed they, it in that moment, and I was like, oh, was it always that way, and I just didn't realize? And I, I, Maybe, but like I kept looking at it after, and they both seemed brown, but then it was always dark. So what like brown I and don't... blue? She's, and I think that's a that's a particular genetic type, isn't yes. it? Like a mitra... Uh, I'm not sure what the verb is. I forget what it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it maybe it was in a, a sort of a, an effect uh, that was put onto the film um, to suggest- or it was heightened. Maybe she did, maybe it is like the entire time, but it's not as bright in the, <laughs> well, as that moment. But it would just be hilarious if it's just like literally the actress is just no, that's just my eyes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm looking at a photo of the actress right now, and she is not uh, she has not got uh, dual pigmentation in the, yeah. of the eyes. Um, so yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a implied effect, and it's one that it's subtle. That's kind of what's beautiful about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I think I think there's a lot to unpack in this film, and one that um, what's what's so great about it is as well is that there's a lot to unpack within 84 minutes of this movie. It doesn't feel, it's not a it's not a long movie to sit through, and it's not a long um, um, proposition to ask of anyone. It's just such a sort of experiential movie, you know, like yeah. it's so so focused on textures and senses and. Um, it's so well and executed. And that sick bass. <laughs> yeah, that sick bass that you had to turn down. Yeah, you got to tell me about your sound system for that. But no, I I love this film. I love the films. The, the fact that the film asks or you know forces us to ask these questions, but also playfully pulls them away from us. You know, like with yeah. a with a sort of gleeful grin. <laughs> I love a movie with an ending. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, it, it it really is terrific. Um, it's such, and I I think the the sort of there's it also an Aronofsky quality to this, like you know, like Black Swan, like Requiem for a Dream, sure, like uh, sure. Pie, um, where I think this. It's a shame that this movie didn't get to play on a big screen um, for a lot of you know for for people to come in and see. Um, for you know, I think I think there are mo- there. The scene where she is walking with uh, what looks, uh, I guess, are, are they thumbtacks or nails in her shoe? I, uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I don't know. I I, I was painful. Like, I was, because I, I'm very tired these now in general, but I was like, there's no way I can actually relax during that scene. And I'm just wincing through every moment that she is walking uh, <laughs> on that boardwalk. Like, like the movie is just so good at like you feel every step she takes, um, yep. and like because she starts doing other things, and the whole time you're just going, "Oh my god, there are nails in her shoe right now." Um, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think you can both say uh, both of us say definitively you should watch this movie. It's it's actually very easy to watch. Um, uh, you know, just be war- you know, it's a horror movie, so. If that's up your alley, you'll love it. If if there's, you know, you have things that anything we've described thus far sounds like it would not be up your bag. Uh, you know, just you know, viewer discretion is advised. It's just very excellent if it's your kind of uh, cup of tea. Yeah, smart movie, smart uh, smart filmmaking. Yeah. Well, Shahir, this has been the only podcast about the film Saint Maud. Uh, when you are not. Uh, kneeling on the popcorn kernels of <laughs> of capitalism that keep you afloat through hundred hour work days. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me catching some dad naps uh, in every corner of the internet uh, on my website www.shahirdad.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D. Matt, when you are self flagellating uh, wildly at your apartment, where can people find you? You can find me just pushing my face into Zoe's claws over at my Ooh. website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. I believe by the time this drops, oh, we'll be going through our, our Beowulf series. We're going to be doing our Lies episode for our Jewish Pirate series. Uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff coming out. Go, please go check that out. Also, I want to give a shout out. 
to a television show. Hmm. Uh, I brought it up before, but holy shit, the fourth season of a thing just dropped, and I didn't know it was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a series that has impressed me every season more and more and more. And that is, weirdly enough, the Castlevania series on Netflix. <laughs> I know, it yeah. sounds silly. The first no, 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 four... you've talked about it, and I think I've, I've read that it is excellent. It's, you know, the this... first four episodes are like pure, like, oh, cool, let's watch uh, a Belmont, you know, break up stuff. We see Alucard fight monsters. The animation's good. Hurrah, hurrah. Then it gets in season two into, like, a really cool, like, political war drama. Mm-hmm. Then season three and four go so deep in character development and depth, uh, depth and, like, Characters that you wouldn't think twice about being this deep, it goes places with. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, I'm about halfway through season four. I cannot, I if, if you like character-driven shit, you should watch this show. Uh, again, first four episodes, and they're short. They're like 14 minutes or something like that. Like, they, uh, they are not that. You don't be fooled by that. It's mm. season two on, it's first season's four episodes. Can I tell you what I'm watching uh, as a comfort as comfort food right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rewatching The Wire. It's it's just it's so comforting to watch uh, such great storytelling. And like, what's weird about it for me is that uh, I think I had this sort of reservation about The Wire, which is that I think it's brilliant, but I I often found it hard to recommend because it felt like it came from another decade, and it oh, had yeah, this sort of it did, it did and it and it had this sort of old school television. Like it's it's prior to the era of high television. Uh, you know, it felt like it came from... Um, it's a progenitor. Yeah, it's, it came from before that sort of, you know, TVs could be yeah. as good as movies kind of phase. But I've watched it again and I was like, no, that that's bullshit. This movie is so well written and so confident about what it's doing that it just has no ears about it. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give out Criterion Corner because it was called out by Baby Dread right at the beginning. Sure. The movie that I will pick for this, uh, there are a lot. Uh, that, in fact, we've mentioned one uh, quite a number of times on this uh, on this episode, which is uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer's The Passion of Joan of Arc. But of course, if you're not into watching a silent movie right now, the movie that I will recommend... Uh, uh, that is available on the Criterion Collection is Secret Sunshine uh, from Lee Chang Dong, who directed uh, Burning, which we reviewed mm-hmm. on the show. Oh, Burning's so uh, good. Yeah. Burning, I think about more than most every other movie we've done on this podcast. Also, like, another film that makes you question the internal logic of a certain character, right? I don't know why, but like, there's just mm-hmm. elements of that movie that I see in other movies, and I'm like, I gotta rewatch fucking Burning Man. Yeah, like yeah. that, like not you, Burning you gotta Man, watch every different. movie from Lee Chang Dong. But Secret Sunshine is a movie that kind of gets into this question of where is God in our worst moments, and right. um, I, I absolutely adore it. I, I love everything Lee Chang Dong has made, um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fantastic film. And the video game pairing I will give it is Resident Evil Village. Okay, so uh, was it the giant? What is the giant lady's name? Uh, 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 lady, uh, Dimi- lady, oh, Dim- Dimis- Dimis- I just call her Lady D. Uh, I did. I did Dimestri- see someone. Two, Dimestri- I can't say. I it. saw someone do a game mod today where they every time you see her, her hat gets bigger to the point oh, where they're like the gosh. last, the last time you see her, her hat is like the size of a room, and uh, then and then and then the tag they put on it was throwing shade, and I thought that was wow. genius. Wow. <laughs> uh, listen, that game. It, it, talk about balancing a knife's edge too. Goes just ridiculously silly shit with actually being scary. It's it's quite. Quite, it's quite a, uh, a, a it's a, it's a decent time to actually enter the series. If, weirdly enough, if hmm. you haven't played Resident Evil, I've, I've been wanting to play. What they, didn't they remake uh, Resident Evil two? Or three? They remade two and three. They remade both of them, and they're both the remakes are excellent. I would right. suggest uh, I would yeah. suggest checking that out. I, I spent many an hour uh, playing one, two, and three. Yep, uh, many many more hours than I should have played. Um, but uh, I, you could probably get the remake of two very cheap now. It is it is a delight to play. Right. Um, and it, it's it's one of those it's one of those remakes that will um, it will it will play like you remember it playing even though it plays so much smoother than the original game ever was like <laughs> it it takes the feeling of what you remember how good the game was and actually makes it that good <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting. Uh, right. Next week, I think you're very excited for some armies that uh, may or may not be alive. Army of the Dead. Let's get Zack Snyder what, off we, that DCEU shit. Let's man. get him back onto a fucking zombie movie where I still posit was the prime of his directing career. It certainly was, and I'm, I'm certainly interested for that. But, like, yeah, how many times do we give other directors the benefit of the doubt this much? You know, like, no, 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 no. I, so, no, again, I, I, I go back. We, we've talked about Zack so much. This is, a, like, 
we've okay. Here's why we give him the benefit of the doubt here. We've seen how he takes movies like this and makes them wonderful. We've seen one he, movie like that. Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> the one movie he's done that makes it wonderful, whereas all the other ones I don't like. So it's proof. Well, that's not entirely true. There's things about, like, you know, 300. Uh, uh, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. I'm still, no, I'm still, I don't I'm still like an apologist Man for Man of Steel. I love that movie. Anyway, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to at least talk about it. Who knows if it's going to be good or not. Um, yeah, we'll see. Well, So that's what we're doing next week. So do your homework. Uh, I believe it comes out this Friday, the Friday right after this podcast drops. Oh, which so you means you have some time. time, which is great. Yeah, we've been on a, a little bit of a train where we've been rec- watching the movie, recording it, and then putting out the episode right away. Uh, we, I, I am slowly, slowly catching back up with living life. Uh, so uh, hopefully, yeah. You sent me pictures of taco trucks. We have to go to. Or oh something. yeah, we're gonna go to the birria truck, right? I'm so I, excited I, sure. about that. Are yeah, you, yeah. You driving? <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, email us at Only Movie Podcast for your taco recommendations for New York City. We'd love to hear them <laughs> and eat them. Thank you. All right, everybody. We will talk at you next week. Until then, uh, say say your prayers and also check your shoes before you put them on and eat your vitamins. <laughs> I pity the fool. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>